Joburg, everybody. Hello and welcome to another episode of G.I. Joburg. My name is Steve. I'm joined by my buddy. It's Rob. Rob is right here and ready to go. And it is the return of our fantastic new intro, which has absolutely amazed everyone who's seen it, and they're all impressed. Stephen? <laughs> the <good> return? <laughs> the return. Oh, right, so this is the first time we're using it. <laughs> well, no, this isn't. Show, Rob, it's... It's... <laughs> no, it was used in the previous one. Comments on, on YouTube have been like, such a cool intro. Ah, excellent. Excellent. Well, good. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, for those of you who listen to this as a podcast, uh, oh, I've shot right. a few... Sorry, I forget. <laughs> I showed a little, I don't know if you can call it play motion. It's just like an opening sting set to our beloved Nintendo music uh, of the characters assembling, i.e. Shockwave, Scoop, and Storm Shadow. And here we are, uh, another episode of G.I. Joburg, another podcast um, based on the celebrating G.I. Joes. And all I got to say is it's been Yojo June, right? It's the 40th in, anniversary in of G.I. Yes. So what better time than to engage Warp Factor 10 and jump to hyperspace? <laughs> <laughs> Hello there. Welcome to Not G.I. Joe Talk. <laughs> it's the Star Wars takeover on G.I. Joe Berg. We threatened to do it. We're going to do it. And uh, for those of you here exclusively for the G.I. Joe stuff... I know I'm like that with other podcasts when they suddenly do a left turn and talk about something else. Feel free to switch off your podcast player in a bit. We're going to start with a bit more G.I. Joe uh, chat, but eventually we're going to be discussing the state of Star Wars and our fandom of it. What is our current attitude towards something that for a long time was neck and neck with G.I. Joe as like our favorite, favorite things? Absolutely. It was the triumph. And if it hasn't it become apparent... Yes, it was mm -hmm. G.I. Joe, it was uh, Superheroes, and Star Wars. We've talked about Star Wars quite a bit. We reviewed all of the the sequel films. Hang so on, I think Rob, this Transformers not, not, not factor in it. I, I suppose yeah, Transformers do as well. But I mean, they, for a little bit, but they, they kind of were ancillary, I think. I mean, I think we only did so much with. We loved the concept of Transformers, but playing with them wasn't always the best, I think. It's the whole transforming thing. Yeah, no. I wouldn't say that the characters necessarily helped either. Like, I don't know, man. Transformers, what <laughs> for whatever reason, they seem kind of beige. But then again, like, we imbued characters into army men. I guess I guess I needed the comic book to kind of make the characters more defined to me. Because we mm -hmm. got second stringers. We got the ger Generation 2 guys, guys that just were nowhere, man. They were just around. Just, just hanging mm. about. And if you haven't noticed with, by this point, uh, dear audience, someone who is not around with us this time is Paul. Unfortunately, <laughs> Deadly Pencils is stuck in load shedding. Uh, He's powerless. Again. He's powerless to uh, resist the lack of power. <laughs> <laughs> so unfortunately, the show must go on. Um, Paul, I hope you enjoy this episode. I hope we do Star Wars right by you. I hope, I don't know, we'll see. Let us know in the comments. <laughs> so I said we we're going to talk a little bit of Joe first. Uh, it was another week and another stream from the Hasbro team. This time they revealed, uh, well, the thing that I'm going to draw our attention to anyways, is the fact that they revealed the Cobra Stinger four-wheel drive coming to the uh, 
what are we calling it now? The retro collection, the vintage collection, the O-ring collection. I don't even know. Whatever you want to call it. Raw part two, version two. Lenny and Emily actually had a physical copy in hand, which they then proceeded to open and show us. It's uh, plastic-free packaging, everything kind of held in place by cardboard and retainers. It's lovely. I mean, fantastic. Moving forward, away. I mean, like, if I just think about all the figures I've ever opened that have been held to those bloody plastic things with tiny little clips and and like cable ties, it's just it's ridiculous the amount of stuff that I, that is often in packaging. Agreed. And you know, like, if you think about how old vehicles used to be packaged, I mean, there was no plastic in there either. In fact. The sprues, the the vehicle chassis, everything was kind of rattling around loose. Yeah, so the fact it's just that it in is, the box. well, it will still be restrained. It's going to have, I think, like a an organic uh, tine to kind of. Oh, interesting. Like yeah, little, these things that grow out of the, the <laughs> no, cardboard I mean to just hold it tight, like no. some sort of Cobra-Law device. Like twine, <laughs> isn't twine? Oh, twine. Twine is organic. Yeah. I, yeah. I there you go. I, I said, I I said twine. Twine? <laughs> <laughs> Idiot. Uh, forgive me, guys. It's still early. And I'm glad you said um, what Cobra Law, because the past week they've showed the um, the movie in selected theaters in the United States as part of a Fathom events, both on, I think, Thursday night and Saturday night. That, oh, that blows my mind. That is on the big screen. Oh, I'd absolutely love to be able to watch that on a big screen. Like, I can't even imagine the experience of of seeing that. Oh. Well, the, th- the thought occurred to me, and that there are parallel parallels everywhere, as, particularly on this episode, because for a lot of people, G.I. Joe the movie and Cobra, the introduction of Cobra Law was the actual moment where they fell off the bandwagon of G.I. Joe. You know, yeah, if they could I think for a lot of people, it's a single it event. It was that. It was the proverbial jumping of the shark moment for G.I. Joe. And for me and Star Wars, that moment was quite cleanly uh, The Last Jedi. Was that the, the second The Last Jedi sequel? was the second one. Yeah. Well, that, no, that was, was the it. first sequel. It's a, well, it's the first sequel to uh, what? Sky Strikers <laughs> Strikes? I can't remember the names of these movies anymore. The Force Awakens. It's the second of the, the Last Jedi. Force Awakens, and... Last Jedi. Sky Striker returns. Rise of the Sky Striker. Rise of Skywalker. Skywalker. <laughs> oh, We're Jojo Pod guys. Go easy on us. <laughs> anyway, so Cobra Law was that moment for a lot of people, and and I can appreciate that because absolutely it is a total left turn. But imagine if that was your jumping on point for GI Joe. That sets up the the camps really because that was that was my story. Um, anyways, should we talk a little bit about the, the nice? The Night Attack Jeep. <laughs> no, the Cobra Stinger, four-wheel drive. <laughs> it's got various it's names, cool. doesn't it? it? It really does. They've, they've reused this mold so many times at this point. I mean, like, you could literally call it anything. But it's it's gorgeous. I think it's a really nice reproduction of the original. And I think it is a true reproduction of the original in the sense that if you look at the hubcaps... Now, mm. by the 25th anniversary, they were using plastic axles and the wheels were very obviously mushroom-pegged onto them. But the hubcaps on the reissue, this new O-ring, 
uh, for 2022, whenever it is, 2023 maybe. No, actually, they are on sale in 2022. So yes, it's a 2022 release. The hubcaps here are finished. They are perfect. They actually have completed hubcaps. So that tells me maybe we're going to see a return to the metal axle. It could be. I mean, unfortunately, the angles of the photos that we have of it don't show that. But the wheels definitely look more hollow than they do where they kind of attach them with plastic <laughs> sprue or that kind of like weird press plastic thing that pops out. But look, yeah, they look if, way if more if memory serves, If memory serves, the 25th anniversary reuse of the vamp um, had the kind of hollowish wheels as well. But on the face of them, they didn't have completed hubcaps. They had the mushroom... Push, this is awful. Push clip. Why would you bother? Uh, <laughs> well, metal axles squeak. They potentially rust as well. Um, so there are drawbacks to both. But if they're unbent, they give you a better roll than anything else. Mm. If they're bent, not so much. But yeah, it's it's a nice set. And it is retailing, surprisingly, at, I think, 32 bucks. That's wild. So you can get this. That's Is that cheaper than the Storm Shadow and Snake Eyes? Box set? Yes. Was it the same price? <laughs> you can get a vehicle you and a figure a cheaper than a two-pack of figures. These are bizarre times we live in, guys. Uh, a deluxe Kamakura figure will set you back 35 US, whereas the kind of the regular price of figures is 25 or 24, I think, memory serves. So like nine bucks more. And what are you getting in the Kamakura box? A um, couple of extra swords? Nunchucks, maybe, if you're lucky. Well, he comes with a mess of accessories. And what pisses me off about action figures being included with a bunch of accessories is, yeah, it's all very fine and well, but you've only got one figure. So he's got all these options, but nowhere to store them. And ultimately, they get stored in the drawer, my friends, because you can't display yeah. your Kamakura with seven swords and three pikes and a cat <laughs> and an alternate head. <laughs> you know, like, what the fuck? <laughs> At least, you know, their the first Snake Eyes came with the whole display piece that he could yeah. put all these extra weapons on. I mean, give him one of those. He's the deluxe figure. But this is really cool. Um, I'm looking forward to kind of seeing, once again, the feeling of these figures. Um, because the, the, the driver looks looks really good. But I'm curious there to see if he feels like an original. Complaint about his, his eyes being a little bit strange. <laughs> But they do look a little small, but look, other than that, I think you've it got, looks fine. You've got the retro O-ring Storm Shadow. Yes. What are the eyes like on that? I think the eyes were pretty decent. I don't okay. I don't remember having an issue with them. Ah, well, then that's enough of that. <laughs> I think I mean the only issue I had with, with, with my figures, yeah, was just the feeling. They didn't feel like G.I. Joe's. But I don't know if that's time or different materials being used. But anyway. I've, I've Mark Van Leeuwen says, "Pig hey eyes." <laughs> he, also, he also detects detects a disturbance in the eyes. <laughs> he says, "Not cross-eyed." <laughs> it's true. It's true. Uh, look, uh, I don't know. It's a different process. I I think we give the vintage figures a wide pass because sometimes the eyes were like really boldly put on. They they mm. were thick. Nowadays, the paint apps have the ability to be really fine so they've really gone in there on sculpts that let's face it like the sculpts were hand sculpted and then shrunk down to the three and three quarter inch scale so yeah. there were some irregularities to the original head sculpts to begin with 
And then if you try and apply really, really fine, minute eye paint to those spots, I, I think you, you, the, the effect is strange and can be a bit jarring if all you've ever known is the OGs. So the, the kind of prodigious, yeah, like application once again, of paint. Once again, Steve, the Hasbro apologist. But yeah, like I say, I'm not apologizing <laughs> for the fact that Kamakura's price is hiked. And as far as I'm concerned, you're not getting meaningful inclusions. Like a small vehicle is a meaningful inclusion. Uh, or a, a diorama is a meaningful inclusion. Hell, I'd even say a builder figure uh, part is a meaningful inclusion. But it, Give me a cool cardboard dire. Like, how many swords do you need to hold? Like, do you need a selection? Like, hmm, this one's got a slight curve to it. This one's straight. This one has a large pommel. This one has a small pommel. This one has a, a handle. This one has a, a, a whatever. Boring. Boring. They're all black, unpainted accessories. Sorry, I've, I've ranted a little bit too much. <laughs> this the is not Stinger is cool, Kamakura not so much. But yeah, the Stinger looks fantastic. I'm glad that we are getting... That's at least three different things this year then. The two Transformers and the Stinger then coming out. Hopefully this year. If, if your focus is just on... Three, three or quarter orange. inch. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Classified, it's... It's a palaver. Oh, wow. Your your digital collection of action figures just grows by the minute. <laughs> digital renders uh, are cheap, dude. They're basically free. Um, mm, I don't know. Whether or not they get made the, eventually. Tell that to the N NFT bunch. Uh, those things are oh, pretty expensive. But we got some feedback from our buddy Sam Smith uh, online saying that he got two of the Cobra Officer Cobra Trooper packs. And in mm. both cases... The troopers were fine, but the officers were knock-kneed. They both had the kind of like knees in, feet out uh, posture. And he suspects that it could be a manufacturing issue, that a certain batch of these figures all present that same problem. That's so weird. And that there's an extra flash of plastic which prevents a 90-degree a bend in the legs no obviously it was a big problem with that production run it, it's crazy they didn't pick that up before they went and sent them out in fact it's so bad he says he can only achieve 45 degrees and i don't know about you man but have you ex experienced this with vintage figures some of them really battle to bend there is a bit mm. of plastic flash that needs to be sanded or buffed out uh just where the um, with the lower section of the legs obviously attached to the, the molding sprue. Yeah. Well, so I, they... I found that more with the modern modern era figures than I do with vintage. I think most of my vintage ones at least do articulate properly. I've been very lucky. Well, I, I speak mainly about those OG guys, the 82, 83 crowd. Mm. They seem to have that flash that really makes a difference. I have destroyed a Steeler. Uh, I learned it the hard way. Like I was trying to get that 90 degree bend, trying, 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 crack. And I destroyed the um, the inner pin oh, on the leg. I know Paul did the same to his Outback figure. And also discovered that there was a piece of plastic that was just too long um, for the joint to accommodate. So he had to disassemble and buff it down. I've done that a few times. I've kind of done it preemptively on figures as well. Like I think I had a Scarlet. And I was like, oh, there's no way I want to shatter her thighs. Let me let me get in there and buff her on the inside. 
Well, yeah, I was about to mention, did you do that to my Scarlet? Because I was going to say that her legs are totally fine. I've done a lot of things to your Scarlet, but um, getting in there and, <laughs> and buffing, buffing down your leg. Yeah. So Sam, I hope you have... I hope you have better luck. Um, it, it's, it is unfortunate, Plekka, that it seems to be an issue that plagues both of your samples. I'm sure there are more folks out there. It's absolutely who are wild. I mean, if you bought them trouble. at the same time, it's it's likely, yeah, that they came from the same batch. I just hope it was detected and corrected because, like, the, the, the flash is one thing, but the knock knees, that's awful. That, that almost makes it feel like they're assembled on the wrong sides, but I know that mm. that's not how GI Joe O-ring construction works. Like it should be interchangeable. Anyway, actually, no, I think ah, in, in 89 and onwards, left and right legs had sizing differences. So the pin of the left is oh, that's interesting. bigger I or smaller. Picked that up. So yeah, I guess it was to prevent the factory workers from misassembling. It's like you don't um, want to get a lower left leg on a on a, on, an, on an upper right leg, and so yeah. on. Good but Lord. yeah, it's become a curse now. You can't, you can't swap. You can't do parts. Ah, can't fix it. Anyway, I've got a very interesting question from a new patron, and I think as part of our our Joe introduction on this episode, it'd be useful to to crack open a little bit of postbox the pit. Heck yeah. This comes to us from Ben Flying Retro, and he has a question for us. Hi, chaps. Been wondering about your individual journeys with G.I. Joe over the course of your lives. Did you all seamlessly segue from kids that adored playing with G.I. Joe toys to adults that were still jacked on the IP? Or was there a vacuous void and subsequent rediscovery of G.I. Joe in later life? Massive fan of the show. Snake Eyes V4 forever. Ben Flying Retro. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Thanks, Ben. Now... We've answered this question kind of fractured in various podcasts before. Like we've always spoke mm. at length about our kind of histories with this brand to the point where I think I can go out on a limb and and recount Paul's. Nah. Um, Excellent. For the sake of, of, of completeness, let's just tackle it. Like, Rob, did you have an unbroken fandom of G.I. Joe? Or did you kind of lose it and then regain it? Tell me your I story. Think, I think basically, it, it, I don't think there was a break. Um, I, I think there was a natural, there was a natural division. But the thing is, like as GI Joe was kind of going away, the internet was coming around in South Africa, so we kind of rediscovered all the toys that we had never had before, and we were able to actually buy those over time. So, I mean, my in original introduction was with you. I, I didn't know much about judges before that. My own judges, it's scoop, uh, and that's about it. But I think it's, it's fairly unbroken. I mean, we took breaks once or twice, and we've, we've kind of focused more on superheroes for a while. But like 18 and up, I mean, I don't think there was more than like two or three years when we weren't somehow into G.I. Joe. Like the minute we could earn our own money or in university or whatever, you know, we were still buying figures off the internet. So I don't think there's really been a huge break at all in like my interest in G.I. Joe. I thought G.I. Joe was an evergreen toy. I thought it would be like Lego. I thought it would be like mm. Barbie, I suppose. Just <laughs> every year there's a new series. This is a new series, just, new set. Just expect it. I, I didn't ever expect it to go away. Mm. So... I think the way it kind of broke to me 
was I was at CNA, which is the news agent in South Africa. And it was in George. We were on holiday up the garden route. And I saw on the, on the rack, uh, GI Joe issue 155. And it ah. had the titling at the top. This is it. The final issue of GI Joe, a real American hero. And I, my 10 year old brain couldn't compute this. I was like, what? So things what? come to an end. <laughs> Shit. It was because I'd only just discovered the, the comic book the year before, essentially. Mm. And so to, to have it come to an end immediately after having just discovered it was a crushing blow. And the toys followed suit shortly thereafter. And of course, as with every other location, like depending on how out of date your dusty old uh, mom and pop toy shops were, you could find G.I. Joe stuff if you looked hard enough. You know, places would still have old toys kicking around their shelves. So we were just skulking around Cape Town, buying up whatever old G.I. Joe merch we could find. I remember yeah. distinctly getting for my 14th birthday on the day, opening up the Arctic Blast and the Thunderclap, which were both uh, long out of date by that point, but we found them at Factory Toy Shop in Paro East. Yeah. And then getting enough money on the day of my party from, I don't know, you, you suckers who gave me money. <laughs> <laughs> You're 14. Buy booze. Nope, I'm going to buy a G.I. Joe. Um, <laughs> We trundled off to Factory Toy Shop the next day after the party and bought the Sky Raven. So we kind of bought all their back catalog of old vehicles and toys. The Radar Rat came out of that shop, as I recall. Yes. So, and that tidied us over uh, till the internet kind of firmly established itself and we could then chase vintage toys that we never had. Yeah. Um, and that was around 1999 when I bought my first eBay purchase. It was Lady J. Uh, we had since we, we'd, we'd kind of fallen in and out with an online trader called Amok Time, which yeah, had a back catalog out. of stuff. It didn't work <laughs> out because I think as you know, it was, it was the, the late 90s. People weren't updating their websites. So we'd, mm. we'd click buy on something and then... I think weeks or even months later, get an email after prodding them several times, like, where's our stuff? They're like, oh, oh, sorry, we're actually out of stock. Oops, we don't have those. We sold this to little kids in America. <laughs> you bastards. Well, maybe it was a case of supply not matching demand. Like these guys built the site, they photographed everything, they got their stock, and then just a bit of advertising in Toy Fair later, and everything got bought out. And yeah, the website gone. The website was just derelict by that point. But eBay offered a nice, reliable way of getting Joe's. And as I say, Lady J was my numero uno way back in 99. And from there, it was uh, a quick tumble to a kind of buying streak. Um, yeah, 2002 was also just around the corner. And that was the IDW, not the IDW, the Devil's Due comic. And... Mm. What an exciting time to be a Joe fan because there was new G.I. Joe stuff to buy. It wasn't always terribly good, but it was a shot in the arm for those of us who did want G.I. Joe to be evergreen, to know that it was back and back with new toys. And man, they met a lot of them. The no ring, or not no ring, the T-crotch guys giving away to them the big shoulder, new sculpt construction. Like, we had a very brief love affair with that, Rob. Do you remember? 
Oh, absolutely. It was definitely a resurgence. It was just cool to be able to buy stuff again, you know, and have it be new and not just vintage. Um, it was fantastic. I mean, we definitely had a lot of fun. And but, but because of their different construction, it definitely affected the way we played with them. I mean, it related to the story of um, Atomic Stomp. Atomic stomp flint in the previous episode. Um, that would never have happened with with a vintage flint. I would never have thought to do that with him. But it, because of the way that he, that flint was constructed, he just kind of lent himself more to a superheroic or a, a fantastical interpretation of GI Joe. Yeah. Well, look, our time in the sun with those uh, new sculpt era figures was brief, <laughs> and it also set up a classic trope in my collecting and that's i'm gonna dabble in the new thing and then ultimately go back to the tried and true old <laughs> stuff so new sculpt was that first foray into joe but not joe and then getting back to real joe and and i've 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 maintained consistency like i definitely jumped on the 25th anniversary i was all for getting all my old guys updated into this new style like basically duplicating my collection by having them in the 25th <laughs> modern era uh, construction. It was definitely a great I, time. There's first few waves. Well, we, I we love Steam. And I right fell, off, fell off the wagon there too. Because I, I did, as, as technically excellent as they were, I didn't like the, the new interpretations. Like, they were good. Mm. They were brilliant. They were a toy designer, uh, toy designer's dream. Like, they were absolutely the best action figures produced to that point. I speak primarily about everyone's first love, the POC wave, Pursuit of Cobra guys. Mm. Um, but it just didn't have any, res maybe it was nostalgic resonance that they were lacking for me. You know, they didn't transport me back to my childhood every time I, I touched them. I was like, oh, this is a, a modern action figure. This is, you know, just like everything you see in toy shelves today. Um, so uh, yeah, there was a return to the well of of the original again, and and also the vehicle compatibility because so much of GI Joe play for me is is yeah, the, it's all about the, the vehicles. The optimized fit in bigger there. construction for <laughs> fitting into a vehicle or fitting onto a vehicle or making a vehicle look not like kitty cart. Because let's face it, like towards the end of the 20th anniversary, 30th Pursuit of Cobra, modern whatever you want to call it, they started skewing a lot bigger. They were... Yeah, they were nowhere near three and three quarter inch. I mean, from the start, they weren't. I think they were definitely closer to four mm. inches. But I mean, yeah, definitely at the end, they were getting bigger and bigger. I mean, not so much that they were out of scale with the first figures, but there was a difference. And yeah, they definitely didn't go in vehicles. It was a very rare vehicle that they could fit into comfortably. Ish. And it pained me. It pained yeah. me when, I, you know, like to each their own and everyone collects a different way. But modern era enthusiasts who insisted on like like putting perhaps the beefiest of beefy guys like i'm talking the gung hoes the leathernecks the big blocks onto vintage vehicles i was like you're just making that vehicle look ridiculous now <laughs> sorry i'm so sorry like stick with the modern era vamp that's a, a lovely vehicle it's very accommodating and, and roomy and makes those big guys look proper but sticking them in a Desert Fox or a Monster Blaster APC, not my jam, man. It makes them all feel like toys, and that's not what you want necessarily. You want things to feel like they fit together. I mean, I still really enjoy the modern era. I think it's a fantastic line in general. 
and it it certainly lent it went off into really cool directions especially when the uh you know the, the club the gi joe club produced their own figures or at least you know like it got figures made for conventions that opened it up to tons of figures i think that probably would never have been made they would just keep making Duke and Snake Eyes and Storm Shadow every single year. <laughs> so I appreciate that they were able to take that on. And Hasbro was like willing to be like, hey, yeah, let's help design some figures for you that you could, you know, people want. And if I may just go out on a limb and talk a bit about Paul, I know that he did mm. take a, a break from G.I. Joe when it dried up at retail. He was um, very cautious about purchasing things online. So that wasn't an avenue for him. Uh, until he met me, actually, and then got inspired. But like, Wait a what, minute. <laughs> what got him back into Joe, because he he bought a couple of the new Sculpt guys and that wasn't his jam either. But what really got him back was the Rise of Cobra movie action figures because they mm. were available in South African retail and he went ballistic. <laughs> he bought everything he could see and that whet his appetite for the, the modern construction of G.I. Joe. And after he met me, he decided to get his own credit card. Finally, he's like, uh, "This is this is the gateway." To oh the my online. goodness! So you're the reason why he has no money ever, and he's bought everything <laughs> from a modern era figures to a bloody Metal Gear Rex and, and whatever else. Ah, it's your yes, fault. Yes, I do shoulder some of that responsibility because <laughs> the man is insatiable, and for an insatiable man, the idea of credit is a dangerous thing, my friends. Anyways, well, he's you've not here certainly to created himself. an amazing collection for him. You've, you've helped <laughs> him create something absolutely incredible. Oh, yes. I've held him back from his great dreams. Uh, <laughs> what, what he could have achieved with all that money. But, guys, it's money. It's just, it's just money. money. It just goes away. Let us know, Paul, in the, the comments if uh, <laughs> Stephen's interpretation of the story was uh, accurate. Oh, well, we've heard it enough times. Anyways. <laughs> Let's close the chapter. Thank you very much, Ben Flying Retro, for the question, by the way. That was a And thank stellar... you for being a new patron. Um, mm -hmm. Fantastic. Thank you so much for joining us on this this journey of exploration of G.I. Joe and beyond. Way. Yeah, man. If you want to get a hold of the show and send us a, a, a love note or a question, feel free to drop us a line at arealsouthafricanhero at gmail.com or find us on our socials. We're just G.I. Joe that's us. That's not the handle. The handle We're is just Joe Joburg. We're just Joe Joburg. Jeez. The overly convoluted handles, man. I, I just don't want to have to type that much. Oh, gosh. Come on. Get a catch. A real South African hero at gmail.com. <laughs> <laughs> Touche. All right, Robbie. It's time to take us into a galaxy far, far away and a long, long time ago. Because when go. was the last time you were excited about Star Wars? If it was a long, long time ago. <laughs> I think that's probably true. I think there's there's been hits and misses um, for since Disney took over. Um, there's good stuff I feel, and there's bad stuff. But overall, it's not as good as I as I used to enjoy Star Wars. I think even George Lucas himself obviously went in directions that were not necessarily directions that people expected or enjoyed originally i think there are obviously tons of fans now of the the prequels but at the time I, I still have emails now i can i can go back and look at them and we were not amped for those sequels those prequels i prequels. think after uh, prequels yeah we were not amped for them like after the first really? one 
No, we weren't. We were like glasses, man. Because we were no, my dude, we were not. Like, like in '99, we were fourteen and fifteen. Yeah, no, no. The first one, definitely for sure. Like, it was. We're amped. We're ready for it. We listened to the soundtrack before we even saw the movie, and we're like, "Oh, where does this music go? And what's going to happen during this?" But by the third movie, we were very jaded. Like, I I have emails where it's like, "Oh God, okay, we're going to go watch the new (laughs) Star Wars movie. Hopefully, it's not as bad as the last one." Um, Okay. Good. So, we, so, so Star Wars we taught were, us how to fall out of love with things. With it itself, yeah. It, it definitely did help us learn that you can't love something forever. Or that, that you wow. can. Or that love can be different things. Um, <laughs> no, don't don't step back from the precipice. <laughs> let, your, let your yay be yay and your nay be nay, my friend. If, uh, if Star On Wars your Sith you duels have... and absolutes. <laughs> Thank you. Well, we're, we're Sith tonight. Because I am going to ask for absolutes. Like... At the end of this, we're going to determine if Star Wars gets a passing grade or not. Um, in at least in our fandom, like this. Yeah. Okay, let let me just say that anyone who is a Star Wars fan who also happens to be a fan of GI Joe and listens to this podcast, trigger warning because we're going to speak very honestly and openly about how we feel about Star Wars, how Star Wars makes us feel, and we might be huge detractors in the old end. In which case. If you feel the same way as us, welcome. You're in good company. If you have another opinion or if Star Wars hasn't offended you yet and, and you actually love the, the new stuff, that's great. I wish I could be like you. Uh, but this podcast might be a frustrating listen, so be warned. Yeah. For warned before we, for armed. Before we get into the negative, let me just share one ray of, of, of positivity. And that's in this era of windowless packaging. Let me just say that the Star Wars windowless boxes do it so right. Oh gosh, you're showing me an Imperial Trooper, Stormtrooper with an amazing Gatling gun, and it it's looks the, fantastic. Well, it's it's the E-Web blaster from Empire Strikes Back, but in this instance, it's the Navarro Cantina from the Melandorian. Melandorian. <laughs> This is a Walmart exclusive and Ashoka Tano is, and Grogu is the sort of complimentary set. And there's also a mm. flame trooper, which I haven't seen yet. And Grogu again, they really want to get that little shit out there. Um, <laughs> spoilers. Uh, okay. So these are windowless boxes that are beautiful callbacks to the old vintage Kenner packaging. Kenner is on the box in the bottom right corner. There is a terrific diorama photograph of the toy and its accessory, the big gun, the charging station, the blast effect, the stormtrooper himself. It's lovely and it's crisply shot, beautifully lit. It has a great in-situ backdrop. And it just says to me, this is the toy, but this is the toy in the coolest possible light. And it call, calls back so much history of the way Kenner vehicles used to be packaged. Except in that mm. case, like they were a little bit derpy because they were the five POA guys and they kind of were just kind of standing at attention around the Millennium Falcon or the Imperial attack base. Like everyone can conjure up their favorite Kenner Star Wars vehicle or playset box, right? Mm. And the the kind of photography used. Well, this is. This is taking that to the next level, and this is beautiful. It has the classic kind of black and steel bordering. Uh, 
I love this and it's very, very appealing. I, I feel like parting with 28 Australian AUD. And, and it's fantastic. Them. It's it's because it's nice that you can actually see the figure. And I'm I'm glad that Hasbro, in, in a way, has has um, embraced uh, toy photography um, and using mm. that as their packaging because it, you can see what the figure can do, and you can see what it comes with. And it's it's not. I mean, art is always gorgeous, but being able to see the figure without seeing the figure and seeing it in the best possible light possible is fantastic. This does would make me want to buy a Star Wars with, Would you be in favor with G.I. Joe figures adopting this approach? I think you could definitely do this with... Hmm. Because they're going, they're going plastic-free completely. Yeah. So the era of seeing our O-ring figures, our beloved O-ring figures, not on a card, is around the corner, surely. It must be. They're kind it's of coming. getting us ready for that by having them in these two-pack windowless boxes. But as much as I appreciate the hard work of the autistic folks out there, I wish I could be one of you. Um, and I, it is not easy. And Paul would, would absolutely stick up for you guys right now. I'm, I think we can all agree, not all art is to everyone's liking. There is a level of personal preference at play here. Mm. And you might love the artwork on the front of the box of the toy that you're collecting, or you might loathe that artwork and be just buying it begrudgingly because you want the toy. However, if you use action figure photography as Star Wars is doing, you kind of cut out that problem altogether. Yeah, because now you can actually see it in in action, with the actual figure doing the action. I think yeah, and I think that's a lot of fun. rolling it's a good the direction. dice on an art style that is hit or miss. Mm. No artist goes out to, to, with the intention to do shit work. Let me be clear. All of the art is excellent. Just not all of it is germane to what we want to see on a GI It doesn't box. appeal to everyone necessarily. I think it, it, it splits, really depends it on personal opinions. preference. Yeah, so some tasty toy photography. Um, that's, that's getting my vote as, uh, as, a as good the direction. optimal avenue for a windowless box. And Star Wars because has shown you... this to be the case. You want to be able to see the toy without seeing the toy, especially if, if that is the direction you're going in where you can't see the toy. You want to at least have some idea of what it looks like before you buy it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anyways, <laughs> as I say, you have been warned, ladies and gentlemen, this is going to tear Star Wars a new one. No, no. Let me not <laughs> overhype it. But as an introduction, I think the problem with Star Wars for me is twofold in a very broad sense. Mm. Star Wars... The first point is that Star Wars is kind of not special anymore. Think about that space battle in Return of the Jedi. For years, decades even, it was untouchable. It was peerless. There wasn't a single film that we watched that could approach the level of its intensity, its staging, the beautiful way those models were shot, the motion, the energy of it. Like, nothing could touch Star Wars. We rewatched that sequence on our scratchy VHS copy over and over and over again because we just needed that space battle fix. It was inspirational to our toy playing. I remember getting the Star Wars action fleet miniatures from Micro Machines, just mm. trying to reenact those amazing space battles. You know, using my camera, my, my camera, using my eye as the camera lens and kind of 
getting really up close and then pulling the ship out far and then zooming underneath the table like it's the Death Star in a structure. Uh, that level of excitement was exclusive to Star Wars. Nowadays, visual effects are taken for granted. Like, it's just so, so apparent in any big budget box office film, sci-fi or not, that you know, you, 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 you know that you're going to see seamless visual effects. So Star Wars has lost its hold on that kind of domain. It's, it's not alone there anymore. So seeing space battles in the, the, the sequel trilogy, no matter how uh, breathtaking they may be, there's a bit of a saturation point being reached. So you're like, yawn, okay, when are they going to stop uh, this uh, flying around and shooting and progress the storyline? <laughs> well, I mean, there's, there's obviously, I mean, not discounting the artistry of the, you know, the, the people who create those sequences. I mean, there's a lot of work that goes into making them, uh, you know, obviously choosing the direction that the things move in, but it's like in the end, it's all done in the computer where you can do anything. And you're basically essentially restricted only by the amount of time you have to render these images. And I suppose the eye of the director and the people, you know, like how they want to kind of frame these shots and how they want to bring the sequences together. But it feels like often a lot of modern movies just rely on those sequences as their their bread and butter, as like the ride. So you, you, you're waiting for that to happen. Uh, it happens. And then you, you know, then you move on afterwards. But like that is the focus is these very easily produced digital sequences and there doesn't fit there is artistry there is artistry absolutely but it's not the same artistry as someone physically creating a model and filming it and and trying to figure out the you know the the, the technicalities and the difficulties of making it work i feel like yeah now we've definitely come to a point where it's difficult to Star wow Wars isn't, it just isn't it's special, special anymore. anymore yeah and the second major detractor for Star Wars for me is there's just too damn much of it. <laughs> That's saturation point as well. And the obsession with uh, flashy glowy sticks. It's like Disney's insistence that the only story worth telling in Star Wars is about guys with lightsabers. That's tired for me. The, the Mandalorian for a time managed to avoid the Jedi but it's like Nah, we've got to get back to Yeah, our... by the end of the second season, yeah. Like, where's, where's sell the sell those with lightsabers. The <laughs> uh, so, yes, The Mandalorian actually is perhaps my biggest breath of fresh air because it, it, it did a callback to the kind of old-timey aesthetic that Star Wars always felt like to us. This is a movie from the 70s, and in spite of the visual effects looking good right up through the 90s into the early 2000s um and beyond like that stuff still looks good let me let me just say like it the classic original theatrical cut of star wars still looks good uh it's not as flashy as we might like but it's, it's a familiarity to the beats and the rhythm which the special edition fucked up to be honest um and it, it, it's 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 definitely serviceable visual effects. I wouldn't feel cheated seeing that. Maybe I'm just mm -hmm. an old timer. Maybe a, a, a youngster coming into Star Wars would be like, these ships don't really move very much. Like, why aren't they They're doing, doing rolls and flips? So slow. 
Well, there's a lot of kind of background moving very, very quickly and the, the ships being photographed and obviously the motion control camera moving along a certain plane. But there's a grace to that that you don't you can do away with when those are problems that these... they solved that they had to solve to make it look good. You know, there were problems that had to be solved to make it look serviceable, but not just serviceable, but look cool. And they figured that out and they they they, they created those sequences. And you know, working it within limitations, to, yeah. of course, limitations. It's, it's always it going to inspire, you know, the, the greater, uh, I suppose, technical strives to like, how do we overcome this problem? Oh, we're going to chip away at it and, and really, really put our passion into it. Whereas yeah, as today, say, as I said, you just throw more time at it. The longer you take to render something. And a more the, swollen. The, it'll VFX essentially, team, it'll, it'll just Disney happen. have thousands, thousands of, of talented artists just. You can create away anything, these literally. That's the thing. There's no, there is too much, which is weird because like, like other mediums like comic books um, have told stories of the, of the characters for decades and they're still generally quite popular. There are good stories, there are bad stories, but somehow telling endless stories of characters doesn't translate so well into screen, I think. It takes so much more time to, to digest a, a thing on a screen than it does to read a comic book. So I think you can't, you have to be more critical of what you're watching and what you're choosing to watch and spend your time on. And the characters part of the that problem you're spending your time is, with. Is, part of the problem is, uh, on the one hand, you have this shining light of a new character that people have actually embraced. Uh, you know, they rolled the dice on the Mandalorian and actually it actually worked we have enjoyed this guy's exploits a factor that's in the back of my mind always when i'm watching the mandalorian is this guy's story has not been completed yet mm. whereas every time they go back to the well of a legacy character and provide kind of an interstitial storyline it, it has no beginning and no end because those other points have already been established. All we're doing is spending time with them in the interim. So they have to create business, busy work, but they can't change the status quo. Like yeah, at the end of Obi-Wan. It has to kind of return Obi -Wan, to the way it was before. Yeah, he's at the end the of Obi-Wan, he has place. to survive and Vader has to survive. So you have this yeah. absurd, absurd moment where Obi-Wan has Vader beat dead to rights. They have a wonderful scene talking amongst each other. It's really good. That's a fantastic scene. Okay. And then instead oh. of ending the life of the evilest dude in the galaxy, a life that Obi-Wan would do well to, uh, to take, you know, he walks off. Cheers. See ya. Bye. Uh, have, 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 have a good life. <laughs> I hope you don't uh, come after Princess Leia one day and intercept those plans and prevent the the uh well ultimately wind up destroying alderaan all that jazz man oh just the mind races like it'll be worth it no though. it'll good. be worth it he'll be a really nice guy at the end of all those movies so it's, it's totally <laughs> fine don't worry he killed kids but okay he, he gets to come into the jedi club again hey wonderful <laughs> Yeah, but man. it's true but that's what why? often these prequels are is busy work but rob sidebar sidebar <laughs> yes why why did why could george or whoever was responsible for shooting hayden christensen that day why did they give him that creepy posture when he's posing with uh, force ghost yoda and um 
and Obi Wan for the know, special he, edition. Of he Return is of Jedi. like really hungry, isn't he? He looks sinister. He's got his. It's, it's it's the angle of his head. He's got his chin down. Maybe yeah. they were dealing with. Maybe okay. Maybe on that same day they were shooting him slaughtering younglings. It could. So, he, so it's him, like they had him in the robes. So they're like, can can you just do this little shot for that? It's like, but he still had the makeup my motivation? on. His, what, the th- <laughs> what am I doing in this scene? No, no. Head oh, down. Just, just look down at the camera, Hayden. Uh, and just, I'll yeah, smile. Good, 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 good. Smile. <laughs> what I got to oh. smile like this with my with my sinister look on. Yeah. Anyways, go don't, watch it. Don't kids, worry. You... We'll fix it. If you wonder what I'm talking about, go watch it. But another bizarreness, um, and a lot of commentators have mentioned this online, and it's the fact that they, they do digital de-aging flagrantly nowadays. They mm. didn't do a pass on, on Hayden Christensen on Hayden. Where, where they do that flashback sequence in Coruscant. And it's weird because oh, Obi-Wan looks full on brawling with their lightsabers. It gave me anxiety because like, the whole time they're talking about restraining your feelings and, and not giving in. And all it would take is one little little twitch with a lightsaber mm. in those duels. To, I mean, yeah, one small I know mistake. Jedi it's have the same... incredible control, but that's just stretching my, my plausibility a little too far. It's the same as like training younglings or kids with <laughs> yeah. lightsabers. That still makes what? no sense to this day. It's like they're all swinging these lightsabers blindfolded. Jeepers. Maybe I don't know. They're really good at the force by that point because they were raised as you know Jedi from children. But and anyway, they had so to flash back. <laughs> they had to flash back to Hayden or Anakin with his Padawan haircut. Mm. So this isn't even. I mean, they might have gotten away with him looking a bit aged um, if he was the kind of the haggard Jedi Knight that we see in uh, Revenge of the Sith. You know, he's got yeah. the scar. He, he's obviously seen some shit. But no, they went with the Padawan haircut, and it's like this is clearly Anakin at a very much younger stage than that. So it just made the digital DA. But it is wild that they focus. They find so many things to focus on, but they also miss so much stuff as well. Like especially with this de aging thing, it's so easy to do, and I've seen so many good YouTubers um, reproduce those scenes with fantastic de aging technology. Hmm. And it seems like it's almost a filter. The way these guys are able to churn it out like the next day. Did you guys mm. crush it with a team working through the night? No, chances no, are. This one just... little dude just sitting at his computer at home and he, he clicks render and it, it makes it. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, we've got some great uh, chatter in the comments. <laughs> Chris from Ch- Chasing 80s Toys says, maybe those were practice lightsabers and they were set to stun <laughs> like Star Trek. <laughs> answers low intensity lightsabers maybe like you know like they're just to give you a little like buzz rather than chop them off sting you in the bottom like that practice droid that luke has in a new home oh yes yeah yeah i mean those look like laser bolts but no oh oh no yeah because stun bolts are like there's like circles aren't they i mean they did establish that even in in a new home i don't know we're we're nitpicking too much So, Rob, you say that you've looked back over email correspondence and we were already lukewarm about the... The prequels as they were coming out. Um, mm. I mean, we were still collecting the toys. We were still very... I mean, but we could still separate part of it out. Like, I think the overall story, we were like, well, you know, what's going on here? But they were cool parts. Like, the lightsaber of duels were awesome. Um, there was It was just cool to be able to have Star Wars again. I think mm. in general, but we were, but even back then we were jaded. We were like, what's this last one going to be like? 
Because the previous for one the was record like, oh. though, I found the lightsaber, uh, you know, the Je- Jedi Knights dueling uh, in their prime. Sure, it's exciting, but it does get to the point of ridiculousness. Like watching Palpatine barrel roll through the air, like this spinning <laughs> vortex of red lightsaber. Watching Master Yoda hop around like some kind of rabbit on speed uh, with a lightsaber. Like shit like that really is ridiculous to me. So I'm, I'm actually grateful that lightsaber combat has become very much more, uh, should we say, unpolished. Uh, it feels more grounded. I think, sequel, uh, mm. yeah, the sequel trilogy and the uh, definitely, I think, the, the fight at the end of Obi Wan is absolutely fantastic. I really enjoyed that fight. The, the, the lightsaber dueling, maybe not the yes. overpowered throwing of Fucking rocks. rocks. Oh, jeez, Louise, the, their power levels are all over the place in this series. Like it's it's wild. <laughs> I've seen people do stuff in video games, but like when Vader like pulls down an entire craft, and I'm like. That's pretty cool, but like, it's just the earlier, physics of it, it feels so it's, empty. It's wild, but then also then earlier you you threw Obi Wan into a fire, but then when the fire flares up again, you just stand there and watch a droid take Obi Wan away, when you could have just force pulled him toward <laughs> you. Okay. Anyway, in case anyone <laughs> hasn't been spoiled for anything Star Wars, like go no further. I, I should have made this warning. We should have at made the this outset. But like but yeah, we're, we're gonna we're jump all over the show. Gonna... Like... Yeah, so stop Any, listening. Anything stop. from nineteen seventy-seven. You've just heard from the last forty-five <laughs> years of Star Wars is 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 game. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. So, oh, man, my train of thought was yes. So okay, we jumped off the wagon during the end of the sequel or the prequel trilogy. But mm. boy, oh boy, Rob, like, did we not wear a robe and swing a lightsaber in the theater to the Force Awakens? Come oh, absolutely! We were. I I was very excited. Like it's it's just it 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 just brings you up. You know, it just fills you with so much excitement that here's new Star Wars. Like, what is going to happen next? What is this is new stuff that's coming? And I think it just taps into something. I'm not maybe not primal, but emotional beyond the logic, beyond the thinking, which I think is what fandom is. It's um you love something despite its flaws. Um. Or maybe because of them, uh, but yeah. And Force Awakens. I mean, if you go back and you listen to our podcast um, where we do talk about Star Wars, I was very excited for Force, for Force Awakens. I thought it was really good when it came out. I, I enjoyed it quite immensely, and I think I rated it quite highly, actually. Hmm. Look, I was absolutely pumped. It it was grab you by the ball Star Wars stuff. Like when it hit, it really hit. And seeing it in the cinema with your friends in that kind of wave of euph- euphoria. Um, <laughs> I remember I, I did have a robe on and I did have a blue lightsaber. Yeah. And at the beginning of the screening, I ran to the front of the theater and said, come on! <laughs> <laughs> and got a great cheer out of everyone, which is fabulous. But I think maybe I was high on my own shit because like, you know, the, the, come, the come down was pretty quick. I think by the time I'd seen it a second or maybe a third time, but possibly a second, I was already like, hmm. I don't know. Hey, <laughs> this is uh, <laughs> this is this is this is strange and doesn't make me feel good about the way Han Solo was dismissed and 
fucking raftars on a freighter and like mm. <laughs> i think i think I, I don't know if it's 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 that, that as we get i don't know if it's, if, if it's a getting older thing or something we become a lot more critical of the stuff we watch but yeah maybe yeah, it's there, that there the, maybe it's, the it's you become overly star critical wars, star wars was always goofy it never made sense there were well, always I mean, gaping it was always a case always a case of like look over here now look over here now look up here. And J.J. Abrams, happens. bless his cotton socks, he was just being consistent with the way Star Wars has always been. Mm. Mm, maybe that's it. Maybe that is. I mean, he he did his best to kind of honor what he felt Star Wars was as a, as a mm. huge Star Wars fan himself, which he said as he was making those Star Trek movies. He was a huge Star Wars fan, and he definitely brought a lot of Star Wars-ness to his version of Star Trek. Um yeah, yeah. They say that Star Trek for JJ was his uh, his audition. Tape. This is his audition to be able to do Star Wars. <laughs> Hire me, Disney, please. Yeah. Look here, I can make anything do Star Wars. Um, I can make anything exciting, even Star Trek. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a fan That's of Star Wars. Thing, you. Why have I? Why have I been hired for this? Don't oh, make me I'm activate my brains. <laughs> but this one, I think it is though. It's 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 a critical thing, but I also feel like. If you do think about modern movies in general, not just Star Wars, but if you think about them beyond most of them, beyond you watching them, the thrill ride, the roller coaster ride that it is in the moment, you will find a lot that is disappointing. You're not supposed to think about these movies beyond having just seen them. And I, I really can't see people rewatching these things and enjoying them without activating their brains. Because if you activate your brain and you think about these things a little bit more, there were just so many inconsistencies. Like even the Obi-Wan series adds interesting stuff, a lot of emotional stuff, because obviously George in the prequels, there's not a lot of emotionality in those movies. I think the biggest emotions are probably right at the end. You know, the, the very, very end. I have the high ground. He chops him into pieces and he's like, you were supposed to be the savior. That's the, probably the highest emotional point of the entire prequels. <laughs> prequels. So there's an Asian green called Choi Sum. Uh, which Kim and I enjoy purchasing. But every time mm -hmm. we're in the supermarket, I say, you were supposed to be the choice of one. <laughs> you were meant to bring balance to the force, not leave it in darkness. Yeah, every time, the choice of one. I love it. Please continue. But it's, so there's, there's a lot of emotionality that, that's brought. I mean, like Obi-Wan, as I'm watching it, it's very emotionally satisfying. At least it's very emotional. It's moving emotionally. So I think they've modern... Storytelling is very good at eliciting emotions, especially with, with, with properties that are sequels or prequels or based or stuff that was in your childhood. Sometimes but the I wrong emotion, you... though, Rob. Like, I, mm. I think the Force, Awaken the Force Awakens was, was harmless enough. It was exciting. It was a thrill ride. It didn't really move the needle in terms of my passion mm. for Star Wars. But if that was true of The Force Awakens, The, the Last Jedi made me a sith it made me <laughs> angry i came out of the theater pissed off so yeah definitely some emotional content in <laughs> Disney Star Wars. the wrong kind and to that's day, the thing friends, if you're thinking i as have you're not watching watched it, i've not that's watched good. uh skywalker that's good. the third one whatever it's called you, you don't have to last last <laughs> sky killer star striker i don't know you, you hey. really don't have to that is fantastic, though. I'm actually very happy for you that you have never watched that movie. You you don't have to. It's ridiculous. Somehow, Palpatine has 
returned. Oh. <laughs> uh, what? What now? You mean that the dude we threw down that shaft? That, oh, yeah, that yeah, died yeah. in the dude's... Okay. Hans but, child, uh, never you... forget. The thought of not being with you, I can't breathe. I'm haunted by the kiss that you should have should never have given me. My heart is beating, hoping that this kiss will not become a scar. <laughs> Who wrote this shit? Uh, to, to quote Harrison Ford, George, George, you can write this shit, but you can't expect the person to say it. So, man, look, the the, the what, where are we jumping to? We're talking prequel, sequels, We're all over everywhere. the place. But anyway, so right at the front, you said there were two things that that um there were there oh, were yes. two things. So you, Star Wars you, you is no longer special. One. Star Wars is and not special. There's too much. And I think of we've it. gone over this a lot now. We, we've cut. There's a lot, and there's stuff that keeps repeating. They start, you know, they because they have to fit in between things. They have to start the character where they ended, and then bring them back to where they were for the next for the thing to fit into the next thing. So there's too much of it, and it's not. It's busy work, which I think is a good summary of that. There's so much of yeah. it that it's just busy work. It can give you cool we moments. We knew this would happen, though. When Disney acquired Lucasfilm, I think it was 2012, it was $4.1 to the man, cha-ching. Uh, we knew that the results of that would be more Star Wars content, that Disney would mine it for all it's worth to recoup their money, of course. Uh, but or, Disney is in the business of making media. They are... They just churn it out. Whereas... With Lucasfilm, you could maybe expect a Star Wars movie on average every decade. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Disney has several slated every year. Uh, well, between the TV and at shows, this point, the animation, there's TV shows, and the dozens films. of TV shows. And the thing is, that they have good moments sometimes, which are fun and exciting moments. But they have tons of bad moments. But then overall, it just dilutes. I feel the, the there are things that break the spell for me. And this is an adult concern. Maybe it's because I'm, I'm more cognizant of how these things are stitched together. But mm. I feel like in the, in the Disney process, there's a disconnect between the script and what the director is doing on the day with the actors. And then what the VFX team is doing behind the scenes to embellish the scene that it's set into. Case in point... We have a scripted chase sequence where a bunch of kidnappers led by Flea <laughs> are trying to smuggle or, or steal, kidnap a young Princess Leia Organa. That chase sequence is the most awkward thing I've ever watched in Star Wars. <laughs> oh, <God>. It's worse <laughs> than <laughs> It's horrifying. And it I, doesn't I fit. See... It feels wrong. Well, I, f I, I feel like they, they wrote it in and they had these very capable looking actors or stunt players in makeup being the gang of thugs and the director bless her cotton socks was like okay so we're in the volume we've got about 20 meters each way to, to play with run i guess R run, run under that piece of greenery and and like and then oh <laughs> the kidnappers awkwardly caught like oh no oh no oh, i can't get I past this catch tree. Up to you i've only started running from around. behind this little tree here <laughs> because i can't exactly. run very far but it looks really awkward when i do do, do this and an eight or ten year old child who obviously can't run as fast as an adult 
is in the same frame as the people running after her. Like, oh, God, you've got it. And it's it. my heart goes out to them because, really, it's, it's not easy to, to shoot a sequence like that, that the script is calling for, for the length of time that the script calls for it and mm. and and get it to sell in the set that you're you're working off of but then there are instances that also are just utterly baffling and and it's it's vfx doing the heavy lifting and not not really being given enough story to 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 make it sell mm. darth vader emerges and pulls down an escaping craft very effortlessly this thing is a paper tiger it just falls to the floor and he rips it open like it is made of of, of newspaper and then an identical ship blasts off from behind it nowhere was that established and that is probably the laziest bait and switch like magician <laughs> reveal of all like because you see ooh. the first ship going up but the yeah. other ship is not behind that one <laughs> was, like, was did it just the, burst the light out side of like, the force the light side of the force was occluding vader's vision at that point Maybe it was both ways. He just couldn't see. He was so blinded by his hatred. Anyway, so that that's an issue that I have with like a disconnect between the script and what that calls for, and ultimately what the VFX team have to produce. It's like, uh, mm. okay, so I guess we'll just have the one ship take off and it being pulled down, and, and the other ship take off. Like, don't think about it too much. But something that I really could not could not help but think about because it was so so embellished was the finale of the show has an opening with a space chase which we've seen this a couple of times before and it's it's not good they got it right in empire strikes back for a number of reasons they have not gotten it back they've not gotten it right uh, subsequently um so a ship is being chased by a star destroyer and it's exciting mm. the ship is is maneuvering trying to get away the Star Destroyer is mercilessly pelting with fire. We get a bridge shot of Vader telling his subordinate, increase firepower. So it's evident that he wants to destroy that ship. He's shooting mm. to kill. He's not pulling his punches. It's not a case of like, let's make a show of force. We actually want them to survive. There's a tracker on their ship or something. Nothing like that is established. So we have to assume they're going in for the kill. He wants Obi-Wan dead and all the potential rebels on that ship dead as well. Uh, then we cut to the interior of the ship and they're obviously having trouble with the hyperdrive. <laughs> Yawn, where have we seen that before? <laughs> and then we get a series of sequences so languidly played and shot. It's like everyone knew, okay, this is my rap day on this show. Let me milk this scene. This is my last chance to emote and, and really sell this. Um, the director also kind of everything was was very languid and, and pensive and like people saying goodbye and people talking about making the ultimate sacrifices and and all the while the vfx team have like laser blasts flying through like every portal you look out of there are explosions <laughs> happening and blasts them like guys you got to wrap this up because i don't know how your shields are holding like how is this taking you this can't long? leave us obi-wan we need you you need to be here with us don't worry, I had a talk with Leia. She's okay. Okay, I'm going to come over now and talk to her for a little bit too. Like, when they had languid, like, calm moments in Empire, it wasn't when the Star Destroyer was chasing the Falcon. It was when they were inside that bloody space war. That's the only yeah. time they were allowed to breathe. Han Solo was running around that Falcon like a madman trying to get the hyperdrive. You got a sense of urgency. There wasn't a disconnect between the script 
the director and the performance on the day and the VFX team thereafter. Like those things worked in symphony because I guess there was a, there was a stronger vision maybe, or maybe mm. things are more compartmentalized in Disney and it's just people are unable to like get these things to line up properly. But that broke that, that show for me big time. I was like, this is, this is what people just don't know what's happening outside of this spacecraft. All these things have to happen in symphony for it to work. And that's what Star Wars is all about. It's about things happening inside ships and things happening outside in space and things happening on other planets. Don't get me started about how quickly th people are able to transit from one location to another in the show. <laughs> it's just, it's absurd. Something's you, happening right to Luke on Tatooine. I, 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 I'm, I'm here now. <laughs> there used to be something of a meal made of, you know, traveling in in Star Wars and the passage of time. Now, time is elastic. It's instantaneous. Like, you might as well just trans teleport everywhere, essentially. But that's a TV show issue that Game of Thrones ran into eventually. And people, like, they were picking at the, the wallpaper on that of, like, how how is this guy there? And then he's now there. Yeah. It should take or weeks, if not months, to make this transit. Whatever. Boring. Rob, well, I, I think, think you, you were wanting to close the chapter on Star Wars. Um, well, no, no, maybe I, was on, I wanted to get to what was your second point. But before we get to your second point, um, what I wanted to say was, I think it also has to do with entertainment right now is for entertainment's sake. And these companies, it's these are production lines. They're making entertainment to keep people's eyes on a screen, watching a thing and seeing what's going. It, basically... They're establishing their streaming services and they need <laughs> stuff. They need content. Yep. And this is, it's fodder. It's a recognized property, Star Wars, Marvel, etc. It They need your eyes on those screens paying the subscription to see these new products as they come out, unfortunately. And there can be so good moments. There can be a bad. Bit of half -baked and, and, and well, you should, I don't think you should expect it, but like I think they're still in the in the process of trying to understand how to produce these things good. I don't think they're making an effort to make good stuff necessarily. I think there's good stuff inside of this. I think there's some moments Obi Wan was fantastic. Like as I said, a lot of the time it moved me a lot emotionally. Like especially that I think it was the first scene when uh, Obi Wan. Uh, he detects, you know, he kind of senses Darth's approach. And Darth Vader is just like murdering these people around him. And everyone's like so indecisive as to what he should do. So like the emotions are there, but the storytelling, the interest, it's just all busy work. Like you can enjoy those moments as they come, but like it's, you have to sit there for like four hours to be able to get that little moment, that little like excitement or something. And I don't think it's worth it especially if it's for something that you have enjoyed so much for decades. And it's, it's, it's not worth it. You know, it's kind of, yeah, as you said, it's busy work it, and it's, it's not special anymore. It dilutes what was special about these things in the, in the first place. It doesn't fire up your imagination. You don't even have to use your imagination because anything you can imagine, they're going to just make, put it on the screen for you. All that fun that we had playing with our toys, playing with those, those, the, the merchandise, which I mean, even George Lucas was making money. He knew that he was going to make tons of money off this this thing. There's always been a money maker, but we enjoyed playing with those things because it allowed us to explore the Star Wars universe beyond what he was able to do on the big screen. And I think you, you lose that if if you produce too much of something. 
And mm. as I said, I think it works in other mediums. Comic books for sure. You can tell the stories about these characters for decades. You can have missteps. Spider-Man had an entire chapter of his life where he where people hated what was going on with him. And they retconned it and they changed it. <laughs> but you can do that in comic books. You, you, the characters keep going because the writers and the creative teams change over time. But with media, stuff you're watching, you're seeing with your eyes, you can only do so much before it becomes too much. And it, it really just becomes inconsistent and it, it just doesn't work anymore. At least it doesn't work for me anymore. <laughs> yeah, you either die a hero or you see yourself become the villain. That uh, line like, is, yeah, prescient. It, it, it is applicable to Star Wars in the sense that, well, uh, the, the the inverse is true when it comes to the uh, to Boba Fett. You know, mm. he was a a disposable baddie, albeit a very cool baddie, uh, but ultimately, you know, just just a baddie to be dispensed with by our heroes, who has gone on to have at least in the minds of the fans and the what do they call it the decanonized stuff like I think the Boba the Fett, legends guys yeah the guys who into Boba legends Fett was Star too Horses. appealing to leave in the Sarlacc pit. But my goodness, canonically, cinematically, Disney, Star Wars, University, they should have just left him. Because nothing <laughs> he did in Book of Boba Fett endears me to that character at all. And I'm pretty sure I speak for the majority of OG Star Wars fans. Uh, what, what did the Book of Boba Fett do for you? It just, it robbed the myth, man. Let the guy rest in peace. Uh, all the all, all the cool of the character of Boba Fett has been quite seamlessly transferred onto the Mandalorian. Like we yeah. had a, a substitution there that we actually didn't mind. It's like you're, you know, making sweet, sweet love to one person and then someone else slips in and the other person... <laughs> ducks out the back door and you don't notice the difference you're like okay you're different but, very cool but i still like it so. i'm enjoying this it's just going good it's going well. on. <laughs> yeah. and then so, the other one comes back into the room and you're like wait a minute but the other one wait doesn't look like you like 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 you remember them and the they, they're doing better. different things and they're acting different ways it's like you used to talk dirty now 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 you're trying to be all nice and sweet and shit <laughs> And like good to me and, and good to the people of Tatooine. And like Ugh. you're just, a bounty hunter, you kill people. No disintegrations. Yeah, just fucking throw me in your cargo holds in a block of carbonites. <laughs> Treat me bad. <laughs> watch another season of this. <laughs> uh, so Book of Boba Fett was like stanktastic, man. And also like an hey, another example of like a disconnect between the way things are shot and like will we not notice the fact that they kept recycling extras in that final battle <laughs> they bless the consorts whoever choreographed the action the action um i i think they they were just they, they did they, their best they, with the extras they could afford mm. you know but obviously there just wasn't enough uh variety in the outfits and whatever else i don't think there was enough planning obvious but mm. but but this is true of of what we can expect with these being tv shows there's less scrutiny there's less money uh and so these faux pas we just gotta learn to live with them as like i think there's, charming... a, there's a just that's a bad excuse though i mean they've produced good television for decades on low budgets and with tighter schedules i mean star trek 
they week to week they were producing new episodes and they would you know they'd create the visual effects they they put it out there i think their turnaround on an episode was two weeks uh, they'd film those wow. things they'd do the you know the special effects and then a, a couple you know like two weeks later the, the episode's done is out you, you can do it you really can there is really no excuse for bad for you it's just yeah it's the there's no excuse i, I feel you, <laughs> especially these days you know like we can do so much the possibilities are endless so here's the million dollar question robbie <laughs> star wars will ultimately come back to the big screen will you watch it or will you be like ah i can wait to see me will you support this comes this ties back to our topic last week or sub topics yes. will you support disney with your dollar Will you I add to that it, box office? When total? it comes to Star Wars, no. I, I don't appreciate where they've necessarily gone with Star Wars. So it, unless my bosses pay for me to go and see Star Wars, I'm I, I will not personally pay to go see Star Wars. I might even actually say I don't want to go and see this. <laughs> Depending what if it's on the trailer. Mandalorian the movie. Oh gosh, maybe I'd watch that. It it really depends. But like it yeah, I think as you said, it's there's nothing special to it anymore. There's so much of it. And it works in other media, but it doesn't work so much in on the big screen and on television, where there's just too much. And they keep retelling the same stories. And Mandalorian worked because it was telling a story in that universe, which is what we want to see is more different stories with different characters. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that's Stop cool. Stop you know? trashing our heroes. Like, I, I'm, I, I think we are safely in the clear. I mean, touch wood. They might do another Obi-Wan season. But in fact, yeah, the fact that he meets up with Qui-Gon at the end hmm. does speak to the fact that there, there are adventures to be had with those two, which is just, just infuriating. Like, fucking stay in the desert and look after Luke Skywalker. That is your function. That's all you should be doing. That's Obi-Wan. your job like, for oh. another 10 years. You know, but you, no. you took a break now, 10 years in, because you got bored. He's a bankable character, and so he has to go on further quests, fetch quests of very little consequence, and meet up with Vader again and have absolutely no outcome because they both have to meet up again in A New Hope. Last time, <laughs> you were the master, but I was the learner. But this time, I might be the master, and you will be the learner. But next time... Or maybe we have to meet him next time, and then I will be the master. Like, ugh. Let's both learn so much. <laughs> <laughs> anyhow like the, the the people have pointed to the line in jedi that um when vader says to luke obi-wan once thought as you do uh which which kind of alludes to the fact that obi-wan also tried to turn vader back to the good side and mm. we don't get that obviously in the prequels so a plot hole that George Lucas started is being addressed by Disney when it didn't need to exist in the first place if they just got the prequels right. <laughs> if, if the prequels <laughs> hung together nicely with uh, the, 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 the original it trilogy. It worked. So it goes all the way back. Like, <sighs> you didn't have to add more, you know. Like, the original trilogy is perfectly fine just the way it is. It's fantastic. It has a beginning, a middle, and an end. It works. And you filled in the blanks. It alludes to so much, a larger world. And I, I have actually, in my head, decanonized the prequels because 
that's not how I expected the Clone Wars to be. And that's mm. probably the problem with modern Star Wars, or current, or well, let me say, original trilogy Star Wars fans, is we had so long to percolate these ideas and like get a sense of what these these things that are alluded to yeah, in the original trilogy could be. it was for yourself. Be. And there was all the, obviously, the people who read the books. I mean, those fans yeah. offered their own ideas of what star wars was before and after the movies and people would accepted it or didn't accept it either you read the books you didn't read the books it didn't matter because it was just okay that's part of my head canon now i you know the books do this thing hmm. now we've got a question from hans in the chats hmm. <laughs> obviously looking for some hot button topics um hmm? uh, he wants to know our opinions on reva the inquisitor turned I don't know, anti-hero? Well, well, Padawan turned... I I don't understand how she survived originally. I feel that the show... Oh, oh, evidently being stabbed by lightsabers are only deadly to... Oh, no, people. that's totally fine. To Qui-Gon. <laughs> yeah. He's the only one. Qui-Gon Jinn, don't, don't get stabbed by lightsabers. Everyone don't get stabbed else, by lightsabers. It's that's totally fine. You'll be okay. Low You'll survive on your own, stabbed it, on, on you know, Coruscant. <laughs> once again, it comes back to Chris's theory that they have stunned lightsabers. I guess... Um, <laughs> Reva think... accidentally hit that setting when she stabbed the the the, the chief inquisitor, Grand, whatever his name is, whatever his Grand name is. Inquisitor, Grand Inquisitor, and Vader. Well, I, th she, I think she's a cool character, her. but she didn't have to be in the show. She has an interesting arc, but it once again, it's it's a re repetition of of other characters' arcs. You know, where they they fall from grace, but they come back to grace. You know, they kind of do evil things, but realize in the end that the evil that they're perpetrating is wrong. So to me, at least, it doesn't add anything, but it doesn't necessarily detract either. It's like she's part of the show. She does a good job. I mean, the character is interesting in the show itself. Uh, her journey is is cool, I think, but it doesn't add anything new or dynamic or interesting to the universe at large. It's just another character with a lightsaber. The trouble is the show wanted us to have sympathy for her, but it wasn't her show. Like, yeah, you know, anyone watching Obi Wan, like, like she was a good villain. Watch... Like she was scary in some of those scenes when she was interrogating Leia, even though she was interrogating a child. And I don't understand why you would do that. But <laughs> you're gonna talk, you little bitch. <laughs> <laughs> good luck. Look, I, I, I felt like she had an uphill battle because it wasn't her show, and yet it was mm. so clearly written in such a way as to give her a full arc. Reason being because Obi-Wan can't really have much of an arc. We we know where his destination is. Yeah, you needed something to follow through the movie or through the show. And that's who she was. She was our character, essentially. We didn't realize but that I, until the end, I think. But I found her B plot, or maybe in the eyes of the writers, it was the A plot. It was tacked on at times and, and clearly half-baked as well. Like... We have no explanation, really, for how she joined the dots that Luke Skywalker is Anakin Skywalker's son and he's on Tatooine. Like, did she manage to but, glean all that from that intercepted uh, hollow pad, whatever you call yeah, it? Yeah, Bell Organa sense. Oh, I think you're captured. Be careful. We that spend they so don't much time with. Like, if, she, if, she, if she was really supposed to get our sympathy like we needed to see her healing we needed to see more spend more time with her like this mm. was obi-wan's show 
and to have an alternative kind of plot line running parallel to his was a mistake like well, anytime it's... you're not with obi-wan you're like I'm, I'm wasting cinematic time i think i'm gonna go to the fridge and get a beer like <laughs> this well, is not it's what like I'm they've here done to... in other shows in, in the past they've done it's like a backdoor pilot so they introduce a character yes. that they want to tell their own Very show good. with and fine go tell her story but you don't have to have her be in the show necessarily like she doesn't have to be set up as the origin in this thing make it feel more organic and more realistic uh, you could have done that but yeah it did feel like where's obi-wan what's he doing i want to see what he's doing uh, you know and she's there so she's interesting but she didn't need to be in the show the other problem and it's time gi joba gets controversial <laughs> i have i take issue with anytime a acting style feels too contemporary in star wars case in point og star wars for better or for worse had a very stagey very old-timey performance style mm. it had swagger in the case of han solo but he was an outlier everyone else was i felt like they were in a british stage play drop yeah a stage play and obviously that was heightened to the max in the prequels like they were definitely all they were literally on doing a stage play <laughs> well they were contending with other things as well so i'm going to give them i'm going to ignore the prequels in this oh, okay but just okay this, but the original... but yes absolutely absolutely it was it was even it was it was super super alien and disjointed and weird feeling mm. in an era of disney star wars we're seeing a lot more contemporary performance styles um and actors being naturalistic to 2022 problem is this is star wars and it's a long time ago in a galaxy far far away and those styles are too much like anything else you see in any other tv show the low-hanging mm. fruits of this analysis is obviously young princess leia who definitely is a, an avid reader of the Disney Disney kids playbook of like acting. Uh, and she's, she's running it, man. She is, she's hitting those bullet points of like, so sassy. how to, how to be a sassy, bright Disney princess. Oh, and be very plucky and be very precocious. Like Leia has edge, man. She probably would not have been a bright, happy Disney kid. She was probably a rebel. Mm. <laughs> Fancy that, you know, an emo kid, maybe like someone. And OK, that's that's too contemporary as well. But just like a weird <laughs> chick, a strange and yeah, like sticking with herself. She, she feels maybe out of place because she's adopted and she knows she's adopted. I mean, she seemed to know that. You know, I mean, she has memories of her, her mother. At least that's what she says in Return of the Jedi. So, but yeah, she's her like own I'm person. I taking a swipe at a child actor, and I maybe should set the bar low because it's a child actor. But the problem is, in a previous life, I used to do a little bit of schmacting myself. And I know <laughs> there are good, are good child, child actors, actors who hit their marks, who say their lines, who have personality, who are plucky. And then there are great child actors who you fucking believe man they've got complexity and they're 10 like it maybe was just a shortcoming of of casting and time like it takes a while to find the right fit but 
man, Star Wars has not had a great uh, run with hiring the right child actor for the job. The child actors have yeah, yeah. had a really bad run in Star Wars. I mean, I think Did you ever kind see of the casting of 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 mm. Jake Lloyd as as Anakin, and that there was no. another kid who was so much better. Oh no! But they didn't go with him. George Obviously. Lucas wanted Jake Lloyd, so I, I don't know. Maybe the other kid was just too good for Star Wars. It's like, no, we're we're, we're entering into the 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 mediocre actor uh, uh, performance era. I want flat. I want flat. Give me flat. <laughs> just like these backgrounds, they have to be really sterile and and lifeless and wooden. And that's 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 the new aesthetic that I want Star Wars to have. You know, Harrison, he was just too rough. And, it was too uh, exciting. He didn't like my dialogue. <laughs> when I was filming in Tunisia, the, the sand was, was too too rough and it was coarse and it got everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Vader's nemesis in sand. Lucas's nemesis in sand. He is. He's superimposing he himself. Hates dirt. He there. hates dirt. That's why he filmed the entire prequels trilogy in, inside, indoors. <laughs> Sitting down well, with a coffee in his hand. There was a lot hey, of out of place away from things, the man. But... George Lucas, uh, for better or for ill, was a visionary and we have Star Wars. We have him to thank for everything, ultimately. No, absolutely. So, yeah. But I mean, yeah, whether or not she's a good actress or not, I mean, she'll get better. Um, at times, I felt like I could feel her channeling Leia, but maybe too much. Because I feel like they want to really connect everything, you know, to what comes next. So it's like whatever she's like when she's an adult, she has to be exactly the same when she's she is a child. And people change over time. They're not going to be exactly the same as they are when they when they grow up. You might get elements of it and feelings of it, but it's not going to be exactly the same. But there's so many beats that she hits that feel like that's just adult Leia as a child. And it rather just, artificially it's weird. made this section about like really having a go at a, a child actor but my point <laughs> but that, it's not about the, her it's the, the storytelling like, it's the like yeah this is a, a not a timeless performance style this is very much a disney kids yeah so we, we've honed in on a specific one but it's not about but her there it's are about storytelling other... it's the way that they the people speak no no no. it doesn't it's, feel it's, timeless it's performances as well it's it's it it, it they're definitely a handful of characters on this show, and unfortunately, Reva is one of them that feel at times like they're not in the same movie as the other cast members who have a very Star Warsy approach to the scenes and the performance. Like there are times when I'm like, I could be watching you in anything else right now. This doesn't feel like a a character in Star Wars. I don't know. Yeah, Maybe I'm just not used to seeing braids. I I think it's just <laughs> storytelling. It's 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 they're not tapping into what it is that Star Wars is. I mean, and and the verbiage and what Star Wars should sound like. It's there hey, is man. too much of a she focus on the contemporary a... and a lot of and a lot of contemporary stuff. She had I an uphill battle it. when they introduced her as an Inquisitor, but like she's the only one without the cool like pallid disgusting zombie makeup oh, that is weird yeah i didn't notice well i did notice they were evidently setting her up for her own series you know like you can't have your, a good guy you've got to be attractive <laughs> you know yeah I, I would not want to see a show about the grand inquisitor <laughs> <laughs> anyways let's I'm bring this on home. 
we've yammered for about an hour and a half now. Some of it about GI Joe, most of it about uh, our beloved Star Wars. Less less than beloved. Well, nowadays, less so now, but I think we definitely still have a huge love for the original trilogy, and I think. For me, at least, there are elements to what has been made over the decades. I mean, there, there are some good stuff. I think Clone Wars is an interesting animated show. It stands on its own as very good. It, it melds well with what's come before. Once again, also busy work, essentially. Um, it's something you can put on in the background. I think most well, modern then Star I'm Wars going all in the background. Well, then I'm going to break your brain, dude. Well, okay, you, you can't pick and choose. All right. Here comes... To. The Sith choice. This is Ooh. us dealing in absolutes. To cap off our discussion on Star Wars, you now have to decide if you could erase everything Star Wars made, let's say, post-1998. Oh, no, wow. seven. Let, let's say the, 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 the watershed moment you're starting of to Star do Wars. special editions in 97, yes. wasn't he? When, when, the, when the special edition was released... That is a, a moment in Star Wars where things questionable were starting to happen. If mm. you had the ability to erase everything produced post special edition, or including, yeah, up to and including special edition, if you could erase that all, so basically you got Star Wars 1977 and then the media that existed up till 1996, you know, Shadows of the Empire, that mm. kind of multimedia tie-in event. If you could erase everything past that point, would you? I think I probably would, actually. I mean... Oh, he did it! it <laughs> he did it! He snapped his finger. It's gone. It's all The gone. vast majority of Star Wars gack that exists in this world is gone. I would All do that. All that's left is you know, three films, like... two Ewok <laughs> adventures, uh, a couple of books, uh, some comic books, video games, like really crude uh, tons ones. Tons of video games. Uh, the, 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 yeah, the Ewok cartoon series, the droid TV series as well, I think. Masters of Terrace Kasi, can we forget? <laughs> <laughs> Dark Forces, you remember playing that? God. Oh, gosh, X-Wing. Yeah. X-Wing, TIE Fighter, and X-Wing versus TIE Fighter. Whoa! Fantastic. Good times. I think I would. So I think it's more special the less there is. I think it comes back to what you said. And people would keep it alive in their own memories. They would, And they'd keep sharing those original movies and it would create new generations of Star Wars fans who can go off and enjoy the movies as well as the expanded media if they want to get into reading novels or read comic books. Um play the video games and just yeah I, I think i really would though because i feel it's nothing has necessarily added anything to my enjoyment of star wars overall since then necessarily yeah. it doesn't make it more enjoyable it just it's just more i am curious to get the opinions of a later generation of Star Wars fan. Uh, I'd, yeah, I'd know for sure. I'd be very mm. interested to hear people who, because like prequels came out, we were 1999, you know, for, what it was 16, 17, or 15, 16. We were just above the age that Lucas it supposedly aims for, you know, <gasps> the, the kind of like younger, the teens and stuff like that. I mean, the teens, 10, 11, 12, 13. 
If Holy I would shit, chased, Rob. No. Hmm? You know your snap worked? Chris from Chasing Eddie's Toys is like, it worked. My Mando <laughs> cosplay is gone. Rob actually did it. What's Mando? What are you talking about? <laughs> Amazing. Blip. Oh, gosh. Okay, so oh, that's goodness. it. Yeah. But yeah, that, that is a choice I would make. I think, I think in general it is. I mean, you look at other things like... Um, Back to the Future. People still love those three movies, and they exist beyond beyond time. You know, they're timeless. People can go back and watch those, and they still share those with people. And yes, yeah, I but, think. But if you didn't know about them, if Star Wars had kind of lost its esteem or its fame, would those three films just kind of be relegated to cult classics? Or I don't think so be because Lord, Lord Lucas, George Lucas, he <laughs> he knew what he was doing. Even just off those three movies, he was making tons of money from merchandising. I don't think Star Wars would ever have died. You didn't have to mm. produce more movies to cre- keep that train running for the rest of his life. So you instead know? of Grogu plushies, we'd still have Yoda plushies. We have Yoda plushies. Or, or oh, they would start anecdotes. mining the comic books. And, and Every time we're at a toy shop and we walk past all the like animated, well, kind of, the, what do you call them? Anim- animatronic Grogu's. They kind of move and their ears droop and come up again, like make sounds. Like Elliot can't help but stick his finger in Grogu's nose. Elliot always goes <laughs> for the nose, like, I will pick your nose, little green man. <laughs> Cute. Oh, my uh, goodness. There will always be new Star Wars, and there will always be more Grogu's, my friends. Uh, oh, for sure. It's, 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 Robbie. It's, it's forever. Let's, yes. uh, let's nail this coffin shut, shall we? Oh, by the way, I'm watching Squid Game at long last. Long after ah, the, interesting. Long after the, the hype it died. was fashionable. And Jesus, it's good. <laughs> wow wow fantastic wow, wow. i have a new thing to terrorize my wife with i mean every time there's a new episode of the boys she's like do we have to watch it i'm like you can step off any time honey you don't have you to watch don't it. have to keep going with this like you know you make me watch poor patrol all day long um <laughs> mm-hmm. all right Let's kiss Star Wars goodbye for another, I don't know, three years maybe. Three years, five, I don't <laughs> even know. We'll, 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 we'll see what happens. We'll read the temperature uh, yeah, in 2026. Hell yeah. No. Well, 20, 2027, I mean, then that's 50 years. Oh, good one. We'll make that yeah. whole, we'll dedicate that whole year to, to, to Star Wars. Hell yeah. Okay? Jar Jar <laughs> year of the year of the Star Wars. Every Whatever. single episode. Tell me, tell me your favorite letter from the last podcast. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, the, <laughs> Rob likes to select his favorite comment from the comment thread on the YouTube release of this podcast for his consideration on the podcast. Hell so yeah. be sure to comment. Hey, do it, and I might mention bumping you. up the traffic. As but I mentioned, to, to at all the, the, com- the commentators, thank you for your comments. Thank absolutely. you to all the regular suspects and all the first-time commentators. Always absolutely enjoy reading them. Um, as I mentioned at the, at the top of the hour, um, lots of people are absolutely impressed with um, the new intro. They absolutely love it. Everyone is like, it's amazing. I absolutely love it. Um, but c- coming back to the Patriot, um, M. Nop commented 
I have such nostalgia for my Patriot. I still have a minty one from my childhood. I'm legit going to do an amateur review just to counter Rob's opinion. He inspired me. Well, Mnop, I'm glad I inspired you, and I'm looking forward to seeing it. Um, I'll probably still hate the Patriot, but at least I will be able to see someone's opinion of it who actually likes it. And mm, curious though that he he said that he still has a minty one from his childhood. Now, those Oof, things, so he, he loved mind, it so much he didn't play with it. <laughs> they're non secateurs Yeah, exactly. Like it's minty and it's from your childhood. So mm, either you were a very particular child and, and kind of just displayed your toys or you just absolutely ignored it and didn't play with it. <laughs> well, I'm going to keep my eyes peeled. Mnop, if you're listening to this, uh, if you stay this long, I will, I will continue to look out for your video on the Patriot and maybe I will do a reaction to it. I think that's a good mm. idea. Thank you to As everyone always, who stayed with us this long. Yeah, yeah, the Berg Force in the chats. We have been enjoying your comments. Uh, I hope you have enjoyed your time here with us live. If you'd like to join the show live, join our Patreon squad, the Berg Force. You can be like these Berg fine Force. folks. And have access to the podcasts as they're coming out, fresh off the presses and also... Absolutely amazing. And thank you to our new Rich. patrons, Ben Martin and Jasmine Schaefer. Welcome, welcome. And I hope you guys enjoy your stay in the Bergforce. Thank Rich you so much for dudes. supporting us and making this possible for us to like talk shit about Star Wars for an hour and a half. <laughs> Probably not what you're expecting, but it's, it's, it's there now. It, uh, I, I have it on good authority that Ben is a, a, a fan of Star Wars, but um, oh, there we go. whether Let's he's a fan of his chat. <laughs> <laughs> Robbie, always a pleasure jamming with you, my man. Absolutely. Uh, hopefully we'll be a trio again next week, but uh, who knows? Who knows? Load shedding? I mean, maybe baffled. I won't be here next week. It'll be you and Paul talking about I, oh, I don't even know. True story. The term load shedding came up mm. in Australia this past week. There are power crises happening down under as well. Uh, Coal-fired power stations that are losing capacity and um, scheduled blackouts. So, yes, the term load shedding, my friends, it's here to stay. It might be a South oh, African invention, but um, You're this spreading plague it. will spread. Well, <laughs> the world is going to face an energy, energy crisis. This war is not showing any signs of stopping, but we don't want to get political here on GR Joburg, so it's Absolutely time I shut not. the hell up and head out the door. Thank you for joining us and see you next week for G.I. Joe talk and not Star Wars talk. Absolutely. <laughs> we will definitely be talking about G.I. Joes and not He-Man or Star Wars. <laughs> Cheers, Yo, guys. Yo, Joe. Yo, hello there. <laughs> Troll. <laughs>